When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Coffee and Cream on Hale Varsity Radio with Andrew Rogers and Damon Benning. Footwork with a shot clock at three. Hawkins going to have to hurry. Hawkins with one to shoot. Contested three ball. Literally now nearly stolen. It is stolen. Galloway's got it. Good Shafino behind the back. Plays it home. Oh, my goodness. Nice pass. Oh, what a for two. Oh, they never got reconnected. Corner of the find a lean. Offensive rebound. pass. Oh, what a feed. How about that read? Westbrook with it. Give it to LeBron at the right elbow. LeBron, one-on-one against Kenrick Williams. Backing him in. Turns. Shoots. Scores. There it is. All hail the new king in town. Young and old gather round from one iconic Laker to another. The king, LeBron James, has passed the captain. Coffee and cream in the morning on Hale Varsity Radio, powered by Currency, alongside Damon Benning and Andrew Rogers. We are live from the H&H Chevrolet stage at Hale Varsity Club, currently drinking the official coffee of coffee and cream from the beanery. Four locations, Gretna, Papillion, Ashland, and the new one uh, that they opened off of 168th and Giles. As I do my coffee all the time, it is hot. It is not ice, but you can really get whatever you want over at the beanery. And it seemed like uh, LeBron could get whatever he wanted after he beat the scoring record. Because not only did he get the big ceremony after it happened, but he also got the microphone with 10 seconds to go in the third. Yeah. How you doing, DB? (laughs) Good morning. Um. Yeah, I mean, that's pretty LeBron esque, right? I, I don't know. I I, sh- I don't want to s- listen. I'm, I don't want to be that guy, but I kind of want to be that guy. Be that guy. Nah. Be him. I, I, just again. So it's kind of what I've always thought about him. Just lack of lack of self awareness. <laughs> you know, where am I? What am I doing? And is it about me? And I get it's it, LeBron's right? world. We're just living in it. Uh, apparently, you know, ten seconds to go, and then we're going to do a a thing, not a quick thing. It's a thing, <laughs> and then in ten seconds later, we're gonna finish the take a the breather. Quarter. We're gonna take finish out the <laughs> quarter. I don't know. It was weird. Some of that is that's on the Lakers too, man. It's just not LeBron. It's like you could have waited. I don't know. You're going to have your party. It would have been nice if you won. You didn't do that either. I mean, okay. Taking L's. Did I? I L's for about, LeBron. I was talking about OKC with Joel yesterday. You were. Um, it's a dangerous team. But I, I don't know. I'm just watching all this stuff happen in the news. And I'm like, I'm just kind of over it. And I'm a diehard Lakers fan. But – I'm experiencing a little bit of LeBron fatigue. I would feel better if they were winning. But listen, man, I mean, the guy's had 
what was it? 14.02 out of 14.10. He scored in double figures. 1,174 mm-hmm. games. Five now with 20-plus points. He's hit more clutch shots. He has more clutch points in playoff history than anyone. I, like, he's done it all. So I should be like, yes, celebrate your individual accomplishments. I don't know. I just I, I feel like Denny Downer, because number one, I want you to win the games. Number two, I'm kind. I'm a greater good guy, right? Like at that moment, finish out, finish out the the quarter. But do you know why it bugs me? Because we're talking about that instead of. Mm-hmm. The accomplishment. Yeah. And that, I feel like, well, you put me in a tough spot, but I can't overlook that. Well, I, I can't overlook the fact that you just grabbed the mic for minutes. Yeah. <laughs> with 10 seconds to go into third. Or right. should I? Yeah. No. So I told you prior to starting the show this morning, they should have waited until the end of the game. For one, those fans would have stuck around. They would have stuck around if you told them, hey, LeBron's going to talk two hours after. Well, and you pay for tickets, and then right when the moment's about to take place, everybody has their computer pocket out, and they're just waiting to capture the moment as if you're the only person about to do that. And if you saw the photo on Twitter, and these are things that I – like to pay attention to because you know a while back it was the Michelob Ultra guy when Tiger was Tiger. taking his tee shot right and he was just standing there with his ultra and everybody else had their phones out and we live in such a digital world now where people want to be the one to capture the moment or they want to prove to their friends or whoever the world that they were there in that moment because they have the video um, but you look at that photo and you if you see the landscape of fans behind the hoop, everybody has their phone out but one person. And that one person is sitting courtside. Um, at first I thought it was Michael Kane. No, it was Phil Knight. Phil oh. Knight just sitting there next to LeBron's boys and just watching the moment. That's probably what I would do. I would like to say I would do that, but I, mean, I don't know if I would. I've done I that. think I I've, would be pulled into the people with phones. I've done that before, and I've missed some moments. And I think part of it is just my personality because I hate taking pictures or having pictures taken mm-hmm. of me, so I, I'm not a picture taker. Now, I'll tell you what, though. You talk about stealing the moment because you're like, hey, you know, like, what are we focusing on? What are we here for? Why are we talking about the fans with phones? Why are we talking about LeBron with the mic? Why will I bring up right now that AD was sitting down on the bench when that happened? <laughs> like, you know, we, we talk about all the things that surround the achievement. But in hindsight, it's like, is that because we I just, are LeBron fatigued? I just, or, I just I think that's part of it. Or is it? I, we like to focus on other storylines that I, I, surround the big one. I think that's part of it. I, what, that's the first thing I asked you when I walked in. I said, which am I over more? The LeBron James thing or Aaron Rodgers? I was even going to throw in Dylan Rayola, but that could actually benefit Nebraska, so I'm kind of 
<laughs> You're kind of on board with that. But it's like I do think, um, you know, I know the f- <laughs> and they and they're doing some interviews because I think they want to acquiesce. But I think the family's ready to move on too, which is why I think he'll commit relatively soon. Do you think by the end of spring ball or the start of spring ball? Which one? Um, like if I had to guess, I would say he commits before May. So spring will. He's going to watch Nebraska's spring game and just be like, "This is my place." So you think he this comes back on the twenty fifth and the twenty second of April? Because uh, he's here on the twenty fifth of March. Right. Is he the last? Is that like the last visit for him out of the pool of schools that he's like left mm-hmm. as his favorites? I don't know. I think he's got all his officials. Well, he has a couple left. I know for sure. Right. So. I mean, because the difference between an unofficial is one the school pays for, the other you're just coming out. Mm-hmm. So. Shows interest, though, too. Well, duh. Right? Yeah. But, that, but you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, like, but you're going to come, you're gonna come, you're gonna come see your You're going to come see your uncle and your alma mater a couple oh. times, right? Uh, well, maybe. Like, if. If my uncle attended a school that I didn't really want to go to, like, I wouldn't say, like, that's the reason. So here's the thing, though. But your dad is going to go see his brother, and that's your mm-hmm. dad's school. I'm pretty sure it's not going to hurt you to go. Correct. Right? Correct. You don't have to be sending any sort of meaningful message. You're just going to go. Now, we'll be the ones that read into it. Oh, he loves it. Oh, he doesn't love it. Oh, mm-hmm. he's going to commit. Oh, he's not. But, I mean, I mean, if I was in that same situation and that was – that was my dad's alma mater. I'd go. Why not? Okay. They're recruiting you. Right. Okay. So what I meant by that was more if you have interest of being there, like versus like, hey, I, I'm going to I, see. I see. I don't know. Just I don't, my family. I don't know. There's a. I think he came to the spring. Ga- I think he came to the spring game last year, and he wasn't interested in coming to Nebraska. So. Um, well, then Matt Rule sent eighteen coaches down there to say hello. Well, I just think that there was a lot. There was a lot going on, um, you know, because he committed to Ohio State a week after, you know, ten days after being in Lincoln, you know, and and I think he had his mind well, made up. Well, I just I, I think there were some things that he told Nebraska not to do, and they did it anyway, <laughs> and it just further mm-hmm. showed that they weren't really paying attention. I mean, that's a whole nother conversation, but you don't come to the spring game in Lincoln and then commit someplace else, you know, within the next 10 days and have had interest in coming to school at Nebraska. And for them, in my opinion, I could totally see it. I'm not going to say rightfully so, but, I mean, he's asked for a few simple things. <laughs> it's all just a few simple things. And and that wasn't a thing. So I mean, they they moved on. But um, back in the fold now. And you've heard a couple of people. I don't know. I haven't seen any. I I try not to pay attention to crystal balls. I'm sure they're out there. I don't know where he's being crystal balled to. But I mean, we heard Sam, uh, mm-hmm. you know, on our show. And uh, I wanted to grab Mitch, but he was kind of doing the radio tour. So I gave we gave him a rest this week just because. Like everybody else was talking to him, so I was like, eh, give him some time just to be refreshing and do something different. But um, I think I didn't get a 
good sense after Mitch Sherman did the sit-down that Mitch thought he was going to be Lincoln-bound. I don't know. It's always interesting with with recruits, especially super high profile, because I can only relate to, to what's going on in, in our house. I do think there's some recency bias. Right? Like, what school was I just... Well, that's why I think there could be some benefit to Nebraska being on the back end of some visits. Yeah, but it's not going to sneak up on him, though. Like, what? So, why, though? Like, like what doesn't he know about Nebraska? They sent nine coaches, right? Your uncle's there. You've been there numerous times. Mm-hmm. Like, what don't you think he knows? I feel like you learn something new every time you go a place. Yeah. Like, you I, see I mean, something I, I, different. I don't, but I think with schools, like, you know. Like you, I, I think you know. Now, is there something to going last? Probably not to the school. Maybe a coach in your home, though. But I don't think. The school isn't going to change. And at some point, like, I think you're kind of over the dog and pony show. Of, of the pageantry and the red carpet. I just the school may not change, but when you look at maybe certain situations or players or like because things are they're ever changing every every single day, um, you may show up. Stu- and stu- stuff is stuff is different every day at our job, right? But that's and, but and that's what does, I'm saying. It, like, it could be a different. It conversation. doesn't sway me though, right? But it could be a different conversation of. Hey, you know, maybe we see you here quicker. Like, you know, if if you if you showed up, maybe it's a day one thing. I I think if it if it comes down to that, then it's not about it's it's not about what I think being recruited needs to be about. Like on the fourth time or the fifth time, are you gonna say is something gonna sway you? Probably hey, not after five. Well, I, well, let's say after three. Well, after three, probably not either. Well, that's kind. But of that doesn't mean you won't learn something new. Yeah, yeah it doesn't have to move your needle, though. I mean, you can die on that right. hill. It's totally cool in the conversation. It doesn't have to move. But your I don't think it's gonna. It doesn't. It's not. It doesn't necessarily have to sway. You. I don't want you. I don't want you to even say like sway. I mean, I just want to make you think. Like, yeah, I just look I, at look at a situation and and you know present if, something if, new. You've been recruited to come to a couple of different jobs, and I think. After, like, X amount of times, I think you know if that's a place for you or not. That's basically what I'm saying. Well, yeah, I I look at other factors outside of just, like, the sport. So, you know, those things stay the same. Mm. uh, But, like, what happens in-house could change. Yeah, I don't know. But I will say this. You know, if you look at the interest of the schools that he's getting, which is Nebraska, USC, Oregon, Georgia. You know, when Sam said, hey, I think there's a good chance that Nebraska lands Rayola. When you have other schools like the ones I just pulled in with Nebraska, you would think, really? Like, you don't think Georgia is going to take the number one quarterback recruit? You don't think USC, who's had Heisman winners left and right, is going to appeal to him more than Nebraska? But then you look at situations, right? You you remember that, hey, USC has a 2023 five-star right now in Malachi Nelson. Uh, why would they want to get a – why would Rayola want to put himself in the position a year later? He didn't want to do that 
at Ohio State, so why would he want to do that at USC? You look at the Bulldogs and think, you know, despite the fact that Kirby Smart is recruiting him hard, uh, you have Todd Munkin that may or may not be there. And not to say an OC is end-all, be-all for uh, a kid coming in 2024 because they will establish themselves prior to that point. But it could play a factor, too. I mean, you look at Nebraska, and it's one school that has their head screwed on straight. They have a path, they have a plan, they have a coach long-term, and they they have set their stage and basically shown him everything that they're willing to do or can do with him. Yeah, I think the, the there's a lot that we're missing in that kind of linear scenario. I think, number one, we don't know what it is that make that that stokes the fire from a competitive standpoint right how much does he want to win um how much is who he's playing with a factor because sometimes i think we we just make it about the opportunity i think sometimes you know people you know they they want to win and have success too so and it's not just about their opportunity because i think what people will figure out and I and I tell this, I say this in our house all the time. Football is not one of those sports where one person can independently change a program. Now, I can definitely be a start. You know, T for A's needed help, right? When we talk about those teams and we talk about that recruiting class, we talk about 30 other guys that were on that team, right? A Uyghur, a Zadiska, a Ned Stewart, a Stuy, a Baron Miles, a Tyrone Williams. Like, you needed way more than that. And he missed a good chunk of time, and he was still an integral part as the prize quarterback recruit. We saw Ohio State have a couple of number ones in the stable at the quarterback spot, and they all didn't last because it's not easy in a team game where you need other things to go right around you we've seen what's happened with Quinn Ewers like the quarterback spot it's interesting I I, I just think we don't we don't evaluate it right because I don't know if we appreciate enough of the things other than physical attributes your willingness to compete like has it ever gone bad for you has it always been rainbows and butterflies do you elevate other people around you how much do you win? How do you play against good teams when all things aren't equal? I think I just think too often when critiquing the the quarterback spot, we look at measurables. And you know what's funny about that? Like that's our fault. We know better. Like we know better. You've seen somebody gave me the analogy the other day. Jeff George, Joe Montana. You watch these guys work out, you're probably taking Jeff George, right? right? Jeff George doesn't win near as much as as Joe Montana. Uh, Tom Brady does it differently than Lamar Jackson. Russell Wilson does did it differently than than Trevor Lawrence. Like we know, we've seen all mm-hmm. these case studies about differences. And Drew Brees is not upstairs. like Drew Brees is not like Peyton Manning physically. But yet, when we come, when we when we evaluate quarterbacks, boy, we sure try to lock in on a couple of things, and it's like, why do we do that to ourselves? There's a reason we miss on a lot of first round picks at quarterback, because there are a lot of other things that go into it. Other, you think Zach Wilson isn't pretty captivating physically? But here we, you know, we we 
it's what we do, man. We just we 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 fall in love with physical attributes. And I'm telling you, sure as I'm sitting here, 75% of being able to function in a competitive environment like that, like Division One sports, is your mind. There's a certain baseline that everybody has physically. It's your mind. Can you repeat the same thing over and over and over and over again, have a couple of hiccups, repeat it again, and handle it? That's the whole key. Uh, If you're fortunate enough to be gifted in that upper 5% as one of those difference makers like a Ruggs or, you know, a a Devontae Smith or some guys like that, a Cam Newton, that's great. But there's only a handful of teams around the country that have them. It's those other teams that are coming that can continue to do the same thing over and over every day and know that you may not be at your best. College is hard. And it's not just about how far you can throw it uh, and how quick you can get to your five-step. And I think what he's been doing, going back to Rayola here, because you took a deep dive just into all things quarterback on the inside and out, and I, it's, it's a great way to look at it. Um, you know, we talk about the move that he's making from Chandler to Pinnacle. And yeah, that, that, that gave you some pause. And it did give me some pause because at first I was like, well, you always ask the question, why? Right, because you you had some success at Chandler, why would you want to make another move prior to then another move? Mm-hmm. Because you know me in moves, I'm a guy that likes somebody that sticks around. Mm-hmm. I want you whether or not things are easy, things are hard. That hey, you're just not bouncing because even though you're surrounding yourself with better talent, because that's what he's doing in this case. Pinnacle's probably a better team this year opposed to Chandler. Just because you're doing that, but that, how, how strong are you mentally now? Mm-hmm. Like, can you fight through when, mm-hmm. thing, when there's a little bit of adversity? Did you have to win another state championship prior to going to high school? Did you think you couldn't at Chandler? Well, are you thinking that because that's a you thing? These are all rhetoricals. Right, yeah. yeah are you I thinking you. that because the talent around you just isn't there and you're seeing that? Is that going to translate when you come to college? Because if you come to Nebraska, then you're not going to see that right away. You just won't. You may start something great. We talked about it a couple of weeks ago when we said, hey, this is, if, if you bring in Rayola, this is a guy that can bring in a lot of other people just because you brought in him to play with. We think. Right. Exactly. That's probably a better way to put it. We think you can bring in yeah. other people. Can you, can you really convince other people to do that? And if you can't, are you going to make a move because you want to surround yourself with talented people because you want to win? Mm. So... All things to consider. A lot of rhetorical questions out there about Dylan Rayola, but I think all of that ties back into your point of, hey, outside of the physical attributes, what's going on on the inside? How big's your heart? Yeah, I just... just, How big big and strong are you on the interior? I just think quarterbacks are different um, because there's only one of them. And I got into this this great debate and it came up multiple years in a row with uh man michael severe and i think i'm kind of coming over to his side where he said i'm always i'm the guy that says quarterback i'm i'm the guy that says competition is good i want competition all the time i look around town like i want competition i'm competitive you were severe saying that 
this is me, and okay. I'll get to the conversation, right? Yeah. So I said, so I want Nebraska the last 10 years. I think it started with maybe Jebbia or some of the quarterbacks. And I'm like, man, I'm, quarterback competition is good. Quarterback competition is good. And he's like, listen, DB, quarterback is the one position where you want a guy and you don't want competition. And we'll get into why he says it. And I fought it for years. <laughs> it's, a, it's a good point. And now I'm I, now I'm kind of yeah. I don't know, but I'll state both cases when we come back. Hey, lots more to get to, and uh, we'll set up the show too next. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Coffee and cream with Rogers and Benning on Hale Varsity Radio. Hey, if you're just joining us, it's the perfect time because I'm here to set you up for what you're about to hear the rest of the way. Uh, We'll play two for you in the next segment presented by Dingman's Collision Center. If you want to play, 888-638-4876. Brian Christofferson on with us at 8 as he is every Wednesday. We'll talk to Kevin Suits, sports director at 1011 News at 830. And then Eric Warfield, former Nebraska corner and Kansas City DB to close out the show. But before we get there, We took a break when DB set up something pretty interesting, and uh, it it was a conversation that he had um, in in recent years with Michael Severe, and that was in regards to quarterback competition versus not having any at all. Yeah, and I don't don't want to put words. The gist of what I think he's saying is, is that quarterbacks are such a different breed, like, and they're the leaders, like he. He's like, hey, everywhere other than the quarterback spot, you want competition. You want to have the guy at the quarterback spot. What spurred the conversation was we were going through Tommy Armstrong, his evolution, getting the start, winning the job, versus Adrian Martinez coming off in between seasons of his freshman being super dynamic his freshman year and kind of then he got, you know, he got in the weight room, got a little bigger, put on some weight, got a little stronger to take the wear and tear, whatever the the rationale was, but was never really pushed for the job. He lost a couple of good quarterbacks in in that span that that transferred out. Then we got to talking about all these quarterbacks that are in the transfer that Mm -hmm. were getting in the transfer portal and I always I never wanted the quarterback races to be settled until it was settled like I didn't ever want an anointing now full disclosure I'm obviously conditioned based on what position position based based on where I've been what I've done and what I saw right so I may be a little uh I may lack a little objectivity, right? But even T. Phrase didn't start right away. Brooke pushed him in the offseason. 
Westbrook pushed him again in the offseason. I watched a quarterback competition go all the way down to the wire, and I think we were better for it because all the meanwhile, all our guys were getting better. So that's kind of what I know. I've also seen some quarterbacks at the next level sabotage a season because they were the guy and didn't have enough competition. I remember vividly, I'm like, man, just play Burline. Don't put up with what Kerry Collins is doing. Mm-hmm. Right? Like I but I'm a scrub. I'll just sign a free agent deal. I'm I may not even be here tomorrow. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? I just knew what I was used to versus and what I saw happen. And I'm like, no, 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 no. Like you want Martinez pushed. Like you want Tommy Armstrong to run a guy down from behind and get the start. You like Jebby, I wanted those guys to stick around and compete. You know, I don't know, quarterback. I'm like, do I want the quarterback just to be the guy? Maybe in the NFL. I don't know if I do in college. But I'm listening a lot more in twenty twenty three than I was in twenty fifteen. Mm-hmm. That's for sure. Significantly more. Is the quarterback the one spot where you don't why – why should that guy not have to have competition? But kind of as I'm watching all the anecdotal evidence, shoot, man, maybe he's right. I, I'm kind of – I go back and forth. It's a fine line to tightrope, I think, because y- – Do you, you want your QB to be the guy? I want my QB to be the guy, yes. But the, what I was getting at is you, the tightrope – that you're on is are you getting too comfortable or are you embracing competition and I think you need a little bit of both at the end of the day but I also want my quarterback to feel confident and by feeling confident is that because I made him the number one didn't give him a lot of competition I bought into him I told him he was the one and in turn he continued to compete every day or did he just kind of sit down? Did so, he kind of just rest with it? Let me ask you something. Should, should his makeup matter? Like, because what you're describing is, or what I hear, I don't want to put words in your mouth. Are you, should his makeup matter? Like, should, so if I'm Rayola, and do you want the guy that wants to go to the place where he has the chance to make the quickest impact? Or is it rational or reasonable to think, oh, man, go there and compete? Because what I hear from fans sometimes is, oh, he's afraid. He's not, we're not talking about Rayola, clearly. I'm just talking about in general when guys transfer. Oh, they're mm-hmm. afraid of competition. Oh, they're afraid of competition. And sometimes people just want an environment that suits them. Are you – should that – should his mentality already be in place or you want to see talk, that sharp? Are we talking for Rayola? For what you were just saying. For Rayola? No, in general just from in your general. quarterback, yeah. Um, because remember, you're, you're kind of saying, well, I want him pushed, but are, is it going to be complacent? If, the, if, if complacency is creeping in your quarterback, do you have the right guy? No, I don't think so. Unless, unless you have, you've set the message clear that, hey, you're the guy, but you're the guy because you're better than the rest. And, and you can see that, and everybody notices that. Mm. But if you're somebody that, you know, you transfer in for environmental purposes. Environmental. Then, <laughs> I like they, that. No, I get it. Yeah, I mean, it's, 
it's all based on, hey, you, now you have to compete for the job because we don't know you yet. We've seen hey. you. We've yeah. seen you play. We know your tape. But do we know you as a person yet? I mean, we're still learning. So let, let me see what you can do out there. Should we? Maybe quarterbacks are the way they are because we treat them differently. Do, don't they deserve to be treated differently, though, I'm too? Kind of, I'm kind of vibing a little. But it's the ultimate team game. It is, but who drives the team? I don't know. It you, depends. You put are the you ball talking to Brad Johnson? Are you talking to Trent Dilfer? <laughs> are you talking to Aaron Rodgers? Hey, don't tell Trent Dilfer that he. Are uh, you talking to Joe Montana? Yeah, a lot of good players. <laughs> you know what I mean? I quarter. It's fascinating because they're, but it's some of it is our fault because. We've made them the guy their whole – like, what's the best position to play in the state of Nebraska? It is the quarterback. What is the best position in the NFL? It's to be the quarterback of the Dallas Cowboys. Or in, The best position to play is quarterback. It seems like it, right? You get the captain cue because you're the quarterback. Some, you're involved in every play. The, maybe it's our fault. Some of the better quarterbacks let maybe let another guy on the team – do all the talking like they're the best, whether it be a wide receiver like Kelsey or, or I'm sorry, tight end like Kelsey or a wide receiver or something like that. I mean, they let them. Maybe we're also getting into an age where the quarterback's the best athlete on the field. Yeah, we Cam Newton started that. Right, but that's the age that we're getting into now. You look at the two quarterbacks in the Super I Bowl. See, you know Those are the see, two best athletes see, on know, the field. You know where I see that now is you sports. The, the the best athlete plays quarterback, and they figure out the rest. It's kind of like in baseball growing up. The best athlete, unless you were the coach's kid, played shortstop, or you started. You were the pitcher. <laughs> like, you always put your best athlete I'm, I'm, in I'm, your skill position. I'm fascinated by the discussion. What do you think? 888-638-4876. Random Mike on line one. What do you think? Good morning, Mike. How are you? Hey, i, I got to tell you, that. Going back and forth talking about quarterbacks. Yeah, uh, but uh, you know, typically when, we, you know, when you're at home waiting to get out, uh, you, you hear what's going on, you know. And, uh, oh, right. We're gonna. So is this a new thing where you're playing music? Well, I Mike, think that's been a forever thing. I th- but you have to ask Shane. Yeah. He's the he's the brains yeah, by there. But we're just the guys on the on the mic. Can you hear it on the radio <laughs> while you're on hold? That was be. Let me guess. Crouch. You got it. Would you agree with that? I. That's interesting because I think a lot of people think Gill, except he played with Rozier. He played with Jackson. Exactly. T. Phrase maybe not a, was the best player. Gosh, that's. Huh. You're probably right. And part of that was the. It's what you were saying. You know, teams. You know, quarterback. The most important position. Right? Yeah. But great teams, you got to have more than that. 
and the Nebraska's great team definitely did, and, and of course the defense is awesome. On a Wednesday morning, huh? 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 Mike, huh? appreciate the call. Hey, when we come back, we got to play a game, though. It's two for you before we – hey, Travis on Twitter said they always put the shortest kid at second base. <laughs> <laughs> Coffee and Cream with Rodgers and Benning on Hale Varsity Radio. Hey, welcome back. We're about to play 2-4-U presented by Dingman's Collision Center. But before we start the game, I want to tell you a little bit about Dingman's. They have four locations throughout the metro area along with their standalone mechanical shop at 120th and Maple. They've been in the business for over 25 years and they're family-owned family-run local business. We had Darcy in here last Friday, and she showed up with her little girl, who's as cute as a button, and they both gave us some goodie bags. Uh, And in the goodie bag was an oil change, which DB is in need of going tomorrow. Tomorrow at 11. And he is going to give our Digman's Read on Friday because – I just know that Digman's... I'm going to have an experience. The way that they treat you, it's all experience-based. Plus, after you go, Digman's does something really cool about their give-back program. They have uh, a place for you to pick who you'd like them to donate money to. It's a fantastic effort, and that's just who Digman's is. And they look out for you, and they look out for the community. If you need help with your car, go to Digman's Collision Center. They'll get you hooked up. Or that. Let's go to line one. Ray's on line one here to play two for you. Ray, good morning. How we doing, Ray? You doing good? Ray, what's up, buddy? Good morning. Ready to play? I am ready. You know how to play? I do, and I want Andrew and DB. Wow. See, he's ready to go. He is locked. He's a smart man. Yeah, he is. He's at 40. Okay, let's see if we can get 40 bucks. 40 bucks on the line. Let's start with this, DB. A president on currency. Oh, let's see. Here we go again. Got a tough one. All right. A basketball violation. Okay. A chip flavor. I like these. And a TV network. All right, you ready? All right, playing for Ray. Two out of four gets him a $10 gift card, and then he can double down after that as long as we keep them coming, DB. So be locked in. I'm worried about You know how the game's played. Whatever I say is the right answer. So here we go. A president on currency. Three, two, one. George Abe Lincoln. Washington. No. It's either going to be Abe. It was either going to be George Washington or Ben Franklin. Why Abe Lincoln? Well, Ben Franklin wasn't a president. That's true. <laughs> so it had to be George Washington. Great point. Great point. <laughs> Why Abe Lincoln? Because he's on the penny and he's on the five. Well, I guess Washington isn't he on the nickel? Am I wrong and, when and I say the that? Dollar, yes. All right, three out of four. All right, we'll go three out of four for you, Ray. Don't worry. We'll get back on track with a basketball violation. Three, two, one. Traveling. Right there. Thank you, Shaner. There's one. There's one. A chip flavor. 
You nervous? Yes. Do I look nervous? Jordan Bennington. A chip flavor. Three, two, one. Barbecue. barbecue. Money. Okay. Money. Two right, out of so, four. So he's in the. He's in. He's. You're in, in the, the money, Ray. Would you like to double down for a chance at a twenty dollar gift card? Well, you guys are heating up. <laughs> yeah, we are. <laughs> we are heating up. The optimists. All right. All right. This is this is a toughie. A TV network, DB. Do not let me down. Three, two, one. ESPN. ESPN. Nice work. Good job. <laughs> wow. That's a terrible name for a network. <laughs> All right, see, we got Hey, two. three out of four, Ray. You're the big winner. $20 gift card for you, courtesy of Hale Varsity Club. You can come down and uh, get that at the hostess stand whenever you have a chance. Love it. Thank you, guys. Thanks, Ray. Hey, thank you. Not bad, DB. I think you'll get the bad. cheeseburger pizza. Uh, Did you see know. that that was the it, special? Yeah. It, it sounds it fire. delicious, and it looked great. I just don't know if I could do the warm pickles. I got a pickle. Most pickles are pickle. warm when I you put them on there. Because now when you put a pickle on a burger, right? Okay. They start to steam a little bit, DB. They get they're warm. They're not warm. Well, they're not cold. Yes, they are. No, they aren't. Can I give you guys my answers? Yes. <laughs> yeah. So what was the first one? Um, the I first think it was the president is, on currency. The first one is um, George. I agree. W. Bush. Sorry, it was George Washington is what. Okay. And what's was the second for. one? Why did you kiss Jill Biden on the lips? Traveling. <laughs> oh well, yeah, you were traveling over there. Yeah. <laughs> that was a foul. That was a party foul. <laughs> it's a Democratic Party foul last night. That was. I don't know. That was some heck of a smooch. Third one. Uh, what was the third? Um, a chip flavor. Kettle. Huh? That's a style of cook, but whatever. Huh? I mean, that's a flavor, isn't it? I, I don't know. I you could have said plain. Plain? Yeah, yeah, plain. I mean, that's the plain Surprised lays. I didn't say something complicated like salt and vinegar. The plain lays is the best. <laughs> that, that would probably Cucumber be a Cucumber dill. <laughs> the plain lays is the best. Though. Sour cream and onion. <laughs> Nothing's better than plain lays. Dude, and those are the only ones left in our variety chip box. Sour cream and onion? Yeah. It's because they make your breath stink. They are good, though. And I went what was a, the last one? I went with ABC. ABC. It's as easy as one, two, three. So picking you two guys was better. Yes, it was because Ray won some money. Uh, like off the top of my head, I, I think you picked the most um, obscure of the main currencies. Whoever has a five? <laughs> Whoever has a dollar anymore? Like I feel I only have 20s. Like I get, I, I, get my contract? I get TJs. That's it. <laughs> Whoever has a five, isn't that? Is that just me? No. The last time I said, "Is that just me?" The poll <laughs> right. stated clearly, it right. was Just me, right? Speaking Which, of, by the way, I learned three things yesterday. One was about temperature of meat. Yeah. So, uh, and when Abby asked me on Twitter, I was like, "I don't know. Is there a difference?" Like I just say, I say medium for a burger, mm-hmm. right? And I would say, I do specify medium rare for a steak, but I didn't know that there's a difference for most people. 80% order their burger differently than they do their their steak. steak. Oh, yeah. So I learned about bacteria Mm -hmm. and open and closed and good meat, bad meat. The other thing was, I thought Shane was whining a little bit when he said, well, it's only the people that like their steaks well done that get, we just get killed. And I was like, really? I thought it was the people that eat their meat rare. 
Like, ooh, that's gross, right? Most people say that, but they're okay with it at the end of the day because yeah. you aren't cooking it. 89% landslide with over 5,000 votes. Shane, how did that make you feel? Good? Validated. Because you were right? <laughs> you feel validated, Shane? I did feel validated. And the other thing is... Apparently, deodorant is overrated. There are lots of alternatives out there. Nope. <laughs> Guys, I'm telling you. Please, Schick started it. Please put it on. But I was I was riding with Schick because I'm a secret guy, a secret no aluminum. Now, I do rotate. I'm a rotator. But two of the three that I, I think all th- I think even the degree I use is, is women's. It's so, the so, stick. So you're saying when it's overrated that men versus women's deodorant well, is overrated. Well, so uh, my man Brian Wilson, uh, or you saying Grizzly, not wearing it? At he was all. talking about these alternatives, right? He, cocoa butter and some other stuff. Ben Eisenhart, another former player, has gone through the no deodorant phase. I'm like, I heard that with celebrities. That was like what about ten years ago, Shane, when all those celebrities weren't wearing like Brad Pitt. Is that because he has armpits? Oh, look at you. But then there were, like, if you, go- if you Google celebrities with body odor, most of them, have their little taglines and stories are people that don't like deodorant. But apparently that's overrated. So we learn- I learned those three things yesterday. Um, I'm a big deodorant fan. And I learned the difference between aluminum and no aluminum. I'm telling you, man, Twitter. I'm a big when, when used correctly, deodorant fan. When, when, Please like, you use know, it. What, together. deodorant or antiperspirant? Either uh, I did learn that there's a di- My mom told me a couple weeks ago, and I can't remember what she said. <laughs> but I know that there's a difference. Mom, I, I promise I was listening in the moment, but it just did. Well, it well, went I one mean, ear we out the other. About, uh, fish tanks and clean rocks and all kinds of filters. I don't know. I was confused. Hey, you and Shane should play. No. Yes. No, because he's back on the phone. Oh, you got lucky. I did. You got lucky. I'm still trying to figure out why you picked a $5 bill, though. I kind of uh, like the rationale of the two, like on a right. penny and a and a. But I, I just don't, I don't run into a lot of people that have a five. I had some fives over the weekend. Of course, you maybe did. maybe it was recency. Yeah. Out of breath, Brian. Hey, but oh, he's <laughs> talking about our guy. <laughs> I wonder if that's his guy, Brian. Should we bring him on? Yeah, let's talk to B. All right, all right, Brian. You got a minute forty here talking about uh, a little LBJ action. What's up? Hey, man, I guess congratulations to the Lakers and the for breaking for his uh, regular season scoring record for career. That's what I'm going to do at first. But as a reason to y'all, it's not like I need to go pick y'all up a bouquet of deodorant sticks for my birthday on Valentine's Day. I had to make sure y'all ain't musty up there at uh, Hell Varsity. People coming in and stuff saying, hell no, it's take up here. Hey, I'm telling you what. I'm a big deodorant guy, Brian. You don't have to tell me. <laughs> Hey, Danny, Danny, don't do that, Danny. Don't, don't do that. Oh, I'm not. He, I'm he's not. not. I, listen, I, listen, I'm the guy that takes the lid off of deodorants in the store. or sp- spray. Them, yeah. I will smell uh-huh. them and then put them back it's on like the shelf. like a candle. Shelf. Yeah, I'm, I'm that dude. Hey, Brian. hey, all I'm thinking of, I, the kids you know the kid be coming home with this smell like, don't do that. <laughs> I got to ask you something. So we were talking about hey. how, how you like steaks. Steaks cooked, right? And Yes. So it seemed like most of the responses on Twitter that were from my fellow, like, African-American people. Yes. Is, we didn't start eating real steak, rare or medium rare, until we were, like, adults, right? Like, growing up as kids, we were pretty much ingrained that, like, your steaks were brown, right? 
Okay. If it ain't broad, it ain't done. <laughs> See, that, I'm telling you, almost everybody that I know that looks like yeah. me is like that. And it's because of how we were raised. Yeah, I'll tell you what. I mean, I didn't I learn think how to every, eat a steak differently. I think until everything I was how like you were raised, though, right? Eight years because, old. like, my dad made rare steaks every like every time, and that's so, what you go with. Yeah, that's what I go with. It's all about how you were raised. Mm. Let's talk about um, other things with Brian Christopher sitting next. <laughs> next. <laughs> Coffee and cream on Hale Varsity Radio with Andrew Rogers and Damon Benning. Hey, back with you, top of the hour. If you're watching on YouTube right now, DB and I have switched sides. DB is now on the left, and I am on the right, because normally I'm right. Oh, look oh, what he did. never mind. Now DB's back to being He's right. He's such no, a trickster. Oh, oh, we switched back again. Now Shane's just having fun over there in his corner. It's Coffee and Cream in the Morning on Hale Varsity Radio, powered by Currency. Uh, we are live from the H&H Chevrolet stage at Hale Varsity Club. An hour of guests coming your way. We'll talk to Kevin Suits at 8.30, and we'll follow it up with Eric Warfield at 8.45. But for now, let's welcome in Brian Christofferson, senior writer for Husker 24-7. Brian, good morning. Good morning, guys. How are you? B.C. Good morning. How are you, It's always you, buddy? a good day when we get to talk to you. Oh, well, that's very kind of you. Um, I enjoy talking to you guys, too. So your colleague, I'm pretty excited, he sent me a message a couple of days ago that he, Mike J. Schaefer, is in fact doing a Super 6 composite again. And for the record, BC, I just want you to know, he can confirm, I got it in immediately. <laughs> You're usually the last one, yes. I think. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, got I didn't, it. didn't mean to call you out on the radio like that, but I, I think that's the <laughs> I got I it like immediately. That was a known thing by now. Whew. All right. So, yeah. B- BC, I, I got to know. You're, you're watching this thing kind of unfold. It's the number one quarterback in the country. Shoot me straight. Does Brian Christofferson have Dylan Rayola fatigue? <laughs> uh, no, I, I don't. Um, I, I mean, he, he's such a big-time player and is going to mean so much to whatever recruiting class he picks. I understand that the coverage is going to be through the roof. Um, I think Nebraska has made their case very well, and I'll just say that I like Nebraska's positioning right now. Um, we'll see how it plays out over the next couple months. But um, I think they've done everything right since rule staff has taken uh, hold over there. Um, you know, including sending nine guys at one time to visit him. I, you know, you're sending statements like that, and obviously there's the connection with his uncle here. I just like how Nebraska's approached it. I think there's a good feeling about how Rule handles his business from the Riola family, from the interviews he's done with 24-7 Sports. So I'm optimistic on Nebraska's behalf, but we'll see. Brian, do you like, uh, from a quarterback standpoint, somebody that – you know, is labeled as the guy, or would you rather see quarterback competition in the room? I like uh, competition always everywhere. Mm. Um, So I don't mind if there's a guy who's presumed to be the favorite by the public, and there's there's sort of a feeling that, um, you know, he's got the resume coming in and is going to win, but that guy needs to not think that, and you need to surround him with 
with uh, prospects that could beat him out. And you also have to make it known your room, I think, at any position. Uh, this is nobody's job for sure. Uh, we, we're going on what you do in front of us, not what you've done before, not what recruiting ranking you had. And I know Matt Rule has done interviews where he said during their time at Nebraska, they'll start everybody under the sun. They'll start a walk-on at some point. They'll start all sorts of players at key spots. So uh, I don't think we should just put anybody in pen. Um, and I'm not just talking about if, like, Riola got here, but at any position, I, I think we got to be careful with the new staff to act like we know exactly what they're going to do. I, I think they want it to be as competitive as heck. That's why there's a, a, a there's big scholarship roster numbers. There's 40 new guys on campus. This is going to be a, a quite an off season as far as the competitive standpoint, I think. BC, you're super smart, so I'm asking you, how do you think, and I know he's a quick thinker, He's an amazingly good quick thinker. How do you think he's mastered the art so far of being chummy but supremely confident? Because I think he exudes both those things at the exact same time. Yeah, he does do that pretty well, I'd say. Um, As somebody who doesn't do that himself, I'm not a good spokesperson on that but um it is a gift i think to uh be able to connect uh i think the people who are who are just great communicators they make the person who they're answering the question or talking to feel like they're the only one in the room for that moment and not a lot of people actually do that Mm. one thing i'll say in our brief interactions with matt rule like when he's done media uh things locally is I notice when someone asks him a question, he really dials into that person that asked the question, you know, and he's looking at them, and it's, it's, it's a, almost like a one-on-one conversation takes place, even though he's in the media room. And that's a subtle thing, but I think it's stuff like that that um, tells you someone's a, a pretty um, artful communicator or understands how to do it well. But I think the confidence probably comes from the fact that they have built programs. He sort of knows the formula they want to use. They've done it before. They're doing it again. And there's a track record that it has worked for them. And so with that, you're sort of, you're going to be under the belief that it can work again. We're talking to Brian Christofferson, senior writer for Husker 24-7. Toss him a follow on Twitter, at Husker247BC. Brian, how much further ahead would you say Rule is today opposed to his time at Baylor and Temple? Yeah, I do think they're uh, a, a lap ahead of where they were there. Um, he pointed this out on one of his interviews. You know, at Temple, they were in the middle of sort of switching conferences and elevating. Uh, I believe it was going to the American Athletic Conference at that time. And so I think uh, they took some lumps on the head the first year sort of because they were – switching levels of competition somewhat and also he was building at the same time and then at Baylor that that one's pretty obvious to everybody that was just like a a very limited roster the first year they had to start over with a ton of freshmen Um, I think they had like 40 45 scholarship guys on the team when he took over they were very uh, down in the dumps with alignment I think he said they had three or four scholarship alignment when they walked in the door and Remember last week's press conference with us, 
when he said, I want 16 O-linemen. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think Nebraska's got like 15 of them right now on scholarship, and that's not even counting walk-ons, or it's somewhere around there. So if you even just look at like the O-line and certain positions at Nebraska, you can see that there's a lot more stocked in the cupboards than there were at those previous stops for various reasons. And also, I think they truly believe there's actually some good football players that have been left here. Um, and it's a maybe a better team than the record has warranted over the last few years. And now it's about, you know, building that chemistry and that sort of uh, connection within a, a specific team in 23. But um, I, I do think they, they believe, and I'm, I'm basing it off rules comments that uh, they're they're ahead of those first years at other places where there's a little bit more expectation this time. BC on the uh, Varsity Radio Show yesterday, Schmidt and my man Herbal Essence were talking to Ron Brown, and he said something like kind of diagnosing Coach Rule that I think is unbelievably astute. He said. I think you have to have a certain level of fearlessness, right? You you have to be able to overcome intimidation. That's one of the characteristics that he likes about Coach Rule. I, it seems like he said a million things without saying much at all, but can't you immediately see how that would be beneficial at this job in Nebraska? Yeah. Um, you're talking about fearlessness, I guess. I, yeah, I'm thinking that through a little bit. That's an it's an interesting. Quote. I, I thought it was spectacular um, because he said, "I thought about dealing with media, the pressures that come with it, the 50 people at a practice, the the not falling into well, we've done it this way, the black shirt tradition, the former players, yeah. like." There's just so much that comes with this job. I, I think you have to be you, – you can't be intimidated by the masses. No, that's a good point. You've got to be unafraid to do it your way and um, not get um, sort of bullied by the masses, for lack of a better way of saying it, into, well, this is the way it's done around here, don't you see? You know, you've you got to do this, you've got to do that. Um, there's history behind this, um, and I'm not saying with that, like, do away with the black shirts or something like that, but I, I, I just think sometimes we do get really stuck in, in Nebraska, like, oh, this is the way it was done, so you got to keep doing it that way, and that way hasn't worked necessarily um, lately. So I, th- I, think, I think you can Im- – I like what they have said at various points is you embrace that there is history here, you appreciate that about that place, but you also have to have an eye toward what's next. What's the thing where we can get out in front of people um, like Nebraska used to do? And, you know, that, that was the thing about Tom Osborne that made him so great. Yes, he was a great X's and O's schemer, but he was an innovator. Like he was somebody, and he was somebody who was ahead of like, this is what we need to be in the weight room. You know, this is what we need to do here and there. And all these outside aspects, people, other in other places weren't paying as close of attention to. So I do think uh, that is required in that position to be bold and to just 
you know, be yourself, respect how it's been done, but also um, these are the different angles where we're going to maybe tweak it a little bit. And I think the benefit right now of coming in as Nebraska's head coach is it has been so bleak around here that I do think the fan base is more in tune with like, yeah, let's, let's try different things. Let's see what, let's see what the new guy has to offer. And, um, you know, maybe a different point of view um, could be useful at this point. To expand on that what next point, let's look at, or what's next, excuse me, uh, let's look at uh, positional outlooks for next season. Uh, based on, say, the recruits that committed in the past few weeks, uh, or even just who is returning on the current roster, uh, which positions do you think receive the biggest boost for next season? I think um, I think the secondary is very strong on paper, actually. Um, I mean, they return everybody um, that was a starter almost, and then I just think there's all sorts of intriguing guys who have popped in that are going to make that competition uh, bump along pretty well. Uh, so that spot I, I like. Um, I think tight end is the most fascinating sidebar of all, just like what – they can get done with Eric Gilbert and, uh, you know, Fedone maybe being healthy now and um, just, like, how that works out. I mean, you have two of the uh, the, the two of the top tight ends in back-to-back classes now, um, hopefully going forward at the same time, and that's, that's really interesting to me. Um, you know, the, the D-line and how that sorts out is probably the one where I – I hate to put put like oh that's a question mark. I mean we we're a ways away from spring ball, but D line's a spot where I I don't know as much about certain guys and how they're going to fit yet or how they're going to play up front or what uh, exactly how they're going to align themselves. Honestly, so D line is probably my biggest curiosity is the word I would use of those position groups and uh, receivers up there too because it's just. They need more chairs in the room now. They've just loaded that competition up, and it's going to be all sorts of interesting. Um, BC, this level of surprise um, that I put Jaden Doss and my Super 6. Reach, I you can see it, or you like it. No, I have no problem with that. I'm a Jaden Doss fan. I don't know if he'll be on mine. I actually haven't done it yet. Um, I'm I'm the last one of the party this time, Damon, um, and getting that in. Um, but uh, I like Doss a lot because, I mean, I remember when he committed, people need to not take this the wrong way, but you would hear the Debo thing, and it was just meant to be like, this is a jack-of-all-trade guy. Like, he's, uh, um, you know, you can line up, he, he can run it, he can catch it, he can do everything you want as a versatile, um, just athlete, and... Um, I think people forgot a little bit about him in the recruiting cycle. I think that tends to happen because when guys commit earlier and they just stay loyal, we kind of get all fired up in December about, oh, what about this new guy and this, that new guy, and then you have the portal additions. People need to go back and think about Jaden Doss, Riley Van Poppel, you know, some of those guys who just hung around steady, Dwight Boodle. Guys like that who were in this class for a while, uh, they've known what they want to do. They stayed with it. 
And I know that the previous staff and Bill Bush thought an awful lot of Jaden Dawson. That was viewed as a huge score uh, when they, they got him as a recruit. So I don't think that's a reach at all. When you put together your Super 6, what position group are you leaning on in the upper half? I think it can be all over the map. Like, I, I bet you Tristan Alvano's on mine. I mean, you know, He's I'm on mine as well. He's on mine as well. Yeah, I think he'll, he'll, he'll probably end up in the, when it's all put together, the composite, I bet he'll be in the, the top four or five. And uh, I think that's just an understanding in this fan base of, I mean, how many close games has this program lost over the recent years? And then you think about just watching Big Ten football each week. There's all these, like, 16 to 13, 2016 kind of games. If you have that kicker who you feels like um, you know, it's a 53-yarder and he can hit it, um, or you, that 44-yarder is in the bank and you don't have to go for it on fourth and three, um, that's, that changes everything. So um, there's, there's a lot of pressure with that, but I know Damon knows as well as anybody that Tristan is, uh, is built pretty well for it. So I think he'd be a guy that you would think strongly about. Um, I, I think it's going to be really scattered from position to position. I don't think it's going to just be dominated by um, anybody. Um, if I were to say a p- possible sleeper, um, Ethan Nation is one that I've been thinking about, uh, the defensive back. I just like, whenever I see stuff pop up about him, I just like, I like how he goes about his business. He's kind of undersized and stuff like that, but so was Malcolm Hartsog, and I was a big believer in him a year ago. So I wonder if Nation could be sort of that guy in this class, but we'll see. Also on my list. Yeah, it's, that's funny. Also it was. on my list. So I saw, I was talking to Tristan last night, um, watching the West Side Lincoln East debacle, and we were talking after the game, and he's running track because oh, cool. he wants to be more athletic, and he thinks jumping will work on his leg strength and track training will help his hip flexibility. He's not playing soccer as an all-state caliber soccer player so because of risk of injury, but he's doing track to work on leg strength. That's when I say you don't need a baby, he doesn't need a babysitter. <laughs> that's what I'm talking about. Dedication, man. And uh, I mean, you're talking about. I mean, Nebraska had a scholarship kicker on their roster, and added him. I mean, that's that's uh, that's a coaching staff that's like got to have that guy. And I think everybody around here, I've never seen it quite like this. After that state title game. There have been examples close to it, but I don't know if I've ever seen the fervor like there was within the fan base. Like, Nebraska's got to have that guy. Like, they need him. Like, they, you can't let him go to Iowa or anything like that. And there was just like this, uh, it was across the board agreement that a kicker um, needed to be in this class. And I don't say that in any way demeaning. I mean that as like, that's how good Alvano was to the eyes of this state. Um, is that uh, he, he, he just felt like an automatic guy as people watched him. They're like, I want that guy in the clutch uh, with the game on the line on my side, not kicking against me on Black Friday. You know what it was, BC? The Nebraska fans were having flashbacks to Keegan Johnson's coming out party in the state championship when he had been really good yeah. all season. And Nebraska's kind of like, eh. Then he plays his ass off in the state championship, and everybody's like, we got to get that guy. We got to get that guy. Nebraska fans yeah. weren't going to let that happen again with Tristan Alvano. 
Yeah, it feels like in-state recruiting is a little different right now. I don't right? Know. Um, it does. It, yeah, uh, and I, I know that that conversation getting beat to death, but um, I think I think there's truth to it. And you know, you bring up Keegan, another interesting guy in this class. Um, Ismail Smith Flores coming in late. Completely. I don't agree. know if a big enough deal was made of the fact that you know his dad was an Iowa Legacy Hall of Famer in Nebraska. You know, stole him away from Iowa. I know Bob Wager and the connection there, but um, if that were the other way around, you know people would be losing their minds. Like, how do Iowa take this guy away from Nebraska? So I think people need to recognize sometimes when it goes the other way, too. Just saying. BC, I'm over here losing my mind. Yeah. I, was I, talk- I feel like DB was just on mute over here based on I, all of his I facial was expressions. Ex- I, wasn't I not? So I almost put him as my sleeper, and I'm like, you know what? Watching his tape for a guy that hasn't played that long, you know, being recruited like that, He's a, he's pretty good. Like that's a good get. And I spent like f- four minutes basically just yelling at Andrew as he's nodding in affirmation because he has no idea why I'm so excited about it. But I'm like, we just flipped the kid that is a legacy guy, and he's good. Yeah. Well, I mean, if Iowa offered him mid fall. I mean, only like four or five games into his uh, one season, and as they are said. very selective. Yes, and they would, uh, and people can say what they want about Iowa football, but they know a thing or two about the tight end position. We'd have to say that. I mean, they've had some really good ones. They have the best guys in the world that you know played at Iowa at that position. So, um, I I think um, I just feel like that's when people are sleeping on. I get it because he's only played a year. Um, I like both him and Jeremiah Charles out of out of Arlington. I don't think those were forces at all. I know the Wager connection, and some people kind of wonder about that, but um, I, I've i talked to both those kids and just the way they are and sort of their mindset, I think they're going to fit well. I just So that's one I just thought, you know, if that, the shoe were on the other foot and his dad had gone to Nebraska and he, he was going to Iowa, we would, you know, everyone here would be all the talk for weeks, and and no one cares the other way. So I, I'm just saying we got to be a little fair about that sometimes. BC, call me crazy, but um, you know, when putting together my my list, I I led with an O lineman, and my sleeper was actually an O lineman as well. I really like Matchacek down low as as a sleeper oh, yeah. on this team. Um, which well, you guys are in cahoots. Which he he. Could be like defensive as well, and you can touch on that too. But at the top, like you know, DB. Had, do you care if I share? Like, do you care no, go I, ahead. DB had Van Poppel at the top of his list, and I know a lot of people have mm-hmm. or, or will put Malachi Coleman at the top of their list. But when I looked at team need, I addressed offensive line again, even though there are some returners there. I like Gunnar Gatula. What do you think about having? him that high on the list or do you think others and I don't want to say more deserving because every recruit is deserving of the spot on this list but uh do you think I'm crazy for going that high there no just have patience young Andrew because um <laughs> people are <laughs> I'm telling you people on these lists people like to put their guys who are going to blow up they think the first year or two but these lists aren't just about that. It's over the long haul. And if you're picking offensive linemen, you have to have it in mind. Like, yeah, it might take toward like 25, like it might be 24, 25 till we see some of these guys, right? Like actually on the field as main guys. Um, so I think you got to keep that in mind. 
and you can make a good case for them. I like Sam Sledge a lot. Yeah, you he's know, another as one. a possibility. I, he was my sleeper. Uh, yeah, and uh, I always struggle with Jason's name, Machachek. Everybody knows <laughs> who I'm talking about out of South Dakota. Right. Um, um, it looks like he's going to start on the D line. Um, that kind of flipped in the last couple of weeks, so he's probably a D lineman to start. But he would be a guy who I would definitely consider as a sleeper too. Hey, I love going back and forth with you every Wednesday. Thanks so much for joining the show. We appreciate it, and we'll talk again next week. Thanks, BC. Thanks for having me, guys. Hey, coming up next, we are talking to another cat out of Lincoln, and that man's name is Kevin Suits. He'll be joining the show. Uh, Lots to talk about, and maybe we'll start with high school next. Let's get it. Coffee and Cream with Rodgers and Benning on Hale Varsity Radio. Hey, let's have some more fun as we continue our hour of guests. It's Coffee and Cream in the Morning on Hale Varsity Radio, powered by Currency. He's Damon Benning. I'm Andrew Rogers, And on the phone, we have Kevin Suits, sports director over at 1011 News in Lincoln. Kevin, good morning, man. Happy Wednesday. Good morning. Good morning. Special K, that's sometimes what I feel Ooh, like I should K. be calling Good with nickname. a little cereal in the morning. Uh, I, I So every other week I've asked you, I think I have my answer. The best high school basketball team in Lincoln is? Lincoln East. Correct. <laughs> ding, 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 ding. after what happened last night, though, DB. Like, we can talk on Friday uh, or Saturday after East plays Pius, and that answer might change. That's a, it's, it's so crazy. If, we, if you would consistently do this over the past, I don't know, 90 days, the answer probably would have changed five times. I just think, and I'm a little, full disclosure, I'm a smidge biased because I love Carter Mick. Um, it's the baseball in me. I I like the way he plays. He's ultra competitive. He shredded Westside last night and did it with a smile. Um, and Temple Meyer, those guys are just so tough, and they're well coached. Like I, I don't know. I I think the record looks to be legit with Lincoln East. I didn't love all their quality wins coming in, but they're 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 way good. They're they're pretty good. They're hot right now, and you just you hit a couple of important factors there. You know, they're well coached. That's an understatement. He's amazing. Jeff Campbell, Jeff Campbell, he he has toughness on yep. his team, yep. which he demands. They're fundamentally sound, and they defend. I don't think they get near enough credit for the way Lincoln East defends. And when they get a Bless stop, heart. they run. Yep. They don't. They don't catch your eye, though, guys. That's that's the thing about Lincoln East. They don't have the flash or the star power. Or like, if you watch them in warmups, they just look like a good team, not a team like, oh my goodness, I gotta watch these guys. But if you, they're the collection of the parts, and they're a really, really good team, they lead uh, all the teams in Lincoln with 15 wins, and right now they are hot. Six in a row, and I think last night winning at Westside. I don't know why it took a road win in Omaha for everybody to settle in and say, all right, this team's for real. I think that folks in these parts have said, that's a good team, but yet the resume looks a little bit better this morning. So spot on. I mean, I'm like nodding and 
the whole warm-up. Well, it's because you gave him three weeks to come up with that answer. But but, but I'm like I'm partial <laughs> to Coach Campbell. Like that that's I'm on record, right? Like I'm a I'm a big Coach Campbell guy. We joke around, we talk. I was messing around with him before the game, but you're the little deal about the warm-ups and watching them and not being overly whatever the adjective is. But man, he was calling out plays. He's he's two feet out on the court. He knows our offensive sets. And the defensive thing, foot in the paint, not allowing guys mm-hmm. to get downhill. I don't know, Suits. You may be selling yourself short. Maybe you should be one of those basketball prognosticators because you, you know those guys like the back of your hand. That was about as spot on as it gets. We need bracketology for a Lincoln High School basketball. I'm your guy, I guess. <laughs> yeah. You know, is it- <laughs> But, but here, you know, what does this all mean? You know, I've had this conversation recently. It's been a fun regular season for basketball in Lincoln, probably better than I can remember over the past 15 to 20 years. Yeah. But is it just going to be a fun regular season, or will it amount to something in the postseason? And if it does, what's the barometer? Is it just getting three teams to state? Is it getting a team into the semifinals in Class A? I don't know. It's, it's awesome right now. I hate to start thinking about the postseason being the great evaluator, but I really do feel like maybe it's going to end up a little hollow if all these teams kind of fade out in districts or they just make it to state, but no one makes a run. Hey, keeping it with basketball here, unless you have another follow-up. I'm good, I'm good. Keeping it with basketball here. Uh, Yesterday we got a question on the show that was – in reference to college basketball, and if you were taking a team today to win it all, who would it be? And then when the bracket comes out, too, and you see a team that's five or lower, who you would take to make a so-called Cinderella run in that group? Because I know you release your AP Top 25 every week, so based on everything that you've been seeing with how wide open this field is, what do you think, Kevin? Andrew, that's wild. I had that same conversation last night with someone. <laughs> filling out a, filling hey, out you a don't have to tell them right about now. our text exchange. <laughs> <laughs> filling out a bracket right now is an impossible task, and it's not going to change, I don't think, you know, leading all the way up to March. Purdue is going to be the sexy pick because they're number one. I don't think they're going to win the national championship. I don't know that they'll make the final four. Agreed. Um, I just don't know that that team is, is deep enough and built for a postseason run. Uh, the, the complimentary pieces around Edie, I think if they just need one more guy. Uh, but to answer your question, five, beyond five, who's the team to pick? Well, it's crazy because that group five to 15 changes every single week because there are constant updates in college basketball or right. upsets in college basketball. Baylor, Virginia, though they've been inside the top five, uh, shoot, who else would I maybe throw in that mix? I, I, I really like Virginia. That's a team that I, too. I think is built. I, I think they're built for the postseason. They can shoot it. Amazing coaching. Uh, and that's a team when they get a chip on their shoulder, they, they play so well. North Carolina State, I think that's a team that's really getting better as the season goes on. Uh, I'd throw them in the mix. And then, uh, again, top five or not, UCLA, Arizona, one of those two teams is going deep in, into the tournament. Hey, watch out for the thundering herd, too, out of Marshall. Oh, yeah, he's on this Marshall oh, tip. But since I don't know if it's just because I I profess my affinity for you over all these years, but you're hitting on all my chords, right? You, you, you nailed the Lincoln East, the basketball thing. And did you hear the school that he kind of 
casually threw in there. Yeah, North Carolina State. No. <laughs> Ding dong. <laughs> U-C-L-A. Like, for some reason, I'm a sucker. I don't know. Kevin, I think that's the team. And I did. Full disclosure, I watched him get annihilated by Arizona. Got handled by USC. I still like UCLA as as kind of that sexy pick. They have experience in the postseason. Jaime Jaquez, you know, can't you see that being one of the guys that just goes off yeah. in the tournament? Sure yeah. can. Uh, and Mick, Mick Cronin, he's a great coach. And I'm with you, DB. Like, there have been games that I've flagged and be like, I've got to watch this game. And you just expect so much more out of UCLA than what they end up producing. That Arizona game in particular but I think overall, it, that's, the, that's the summary of this season, though. There are teams that have really nice records, but in the big moment, you think that they're going to take off and separate themselves, and it just doesn't happen. Look at Kansas. Yeah. My goodness. How, Kansas has five, six losses. Yeah. But they, they're still considered a national championship contender. They get so, good point guard play. It's over. Let, let, me, let, me, let me get you out of here on this, Kevin, because you're right there in the heart of the – the pressure cooker, and you see all the media, the throngs that cover the sport. And Coach Brown said something to Chris Schmidt yesterday on, on the Hell Varsity Radio Show I think is fascinating. He said, and I quote, you have to have the ability to overcome intimidation. I like the fearlessness so far that I've seen in Coach Rule. For some reason, Kevin, I was like, yes, that's what has to happen at the University of Nebraska for a multitude of reasons as a head coach. Are you vibing with that? Absolutely. You know, and here's the thing that I would add on to that, Damon, is that Coach Rule, he, he, yes, he's in awe of Nebraska and its history and getting to sit down with Coach Osborne and reaching out to Adamic and Sue and so much that goes into the, the past here, but it doesn't overwhelm him. He embraces it, and he walks this very fine line of like, yeah, this place is awesome. I know there's pressure to win, but it's not affecting who he is. He's so comfortable in his skin. And I think that yeah, is man. maybe what Coach Brown is talking about with how he doesn't have that intimidation factor, this fearlessness. And I think that's just because Matt Rule just knows what Matt Rule believes, and he's got the guys around him that enable him to be himself at all times. Hey, Kevin, thank you so much, too, last night, uh, before we let you go, for posting that pic of LeBron on your Twitter page. It was, it was fantastic to see you pay tribute to him in that I'm moment. I'm pulling my hair out, Suits, and I'm a diehard Lakers fan, man. I don't know what to do with this. I, let, let, okay, let's clear this real quick. I'm an, I'm an Illinois guy. I grew up in Illinois. When Michael Jordan played, it was on TV, no doubt. Every single night, he was a winner. He's my guy. Uh, you will not be able to convince me in my mind anyway <laughs> that there is somebody other than Michael Jordan that's the greatest <laughs> basketball player of all time. Let's get to it. Hey, Kevin, I'm a Bulls fan, too. I'm with you. God love him. Man, they, they, that run was just incredible. And if I could go back in time... I would go back to the 90s sitting on my mom's living room floor watching Sports Channel Chicago, Scottie Pippen, John Paxson. You really wouldn't go down. Luke Longley. I'd go back to watching Luke Longley, guys. You're the man, Kevin. <laughs> See you, Kevin. Wow. Hey, let's talk to Eric Warfield next. Ooh-wee. 
Coffee and Cream with Rodgers and Benning on Hale Varsity Radio. George Darlington, the secondary coach from Nebraska, loves his defensive backfield right now. Great step drop, Bishop throwing, and it's knocked away, and it's intercepted by Warfield. He has the sideline. And he'll get it to the 16-yard line. Well, that's nice of you, Shane. How about that? What an intro. Taking care of my guy. We'll be talking to Eric Warfield now, and Eric is uh, not only just a great football player, but a great person, according to DB, which is is why he's here with us today. Eric, good morning. Good morning. I I haven't talked to Damon in so long. It's a pleasure to be on here with him. Not since last year during the, before the, or two years ago before the Chiefs Super Bowl run. So, but listen, I I thought. I follow you on social media, and Andrew and I hey, can hey, joke hey, with hey, you because hey, you know we're what? boys. He he no, goes. Don't don't follow me on social media. You have my phone number. You can reach out. <laughs> hey, when I have a question, I think <laughs> I go to your Twitter <laughs> this, page. So so Edub, this is the funniest <laughs> thing ever. Because full disclosure, Andrew, Eric used to live with us. He came down early from Texarkana and Lincoln, and he stayed with us. We tried to take good care of him, and me and Troy doing this. But so we go way back. But he he goes. So what is Eric doing these days? Like what is so like what does he do? And I looked dead at him, Ian. I said, nothing. Living the good life. He likes to golf. Yeah, he goes. No, he, he didn't give you that nice of a response. He just said playing golf. <laughs> that's all he said. <laughs> but that's the American I'm dream, to make right? The most of it. Right, What's like that? that. That's the American dream, though, right? Like. You know, you, you, you got your financial planner, you, you got on a budget, you did the right things. Like, you you should be in, you should be able you. to enjoy the perks of life, right? You look like you're living of the good course. life. Yeah, you have to. You know, I, I got lucky. And, uh, you know, my best friend is right there in Lincoln, Nebraska with, uh, with you guys. So, uh, he was working at Wells Fargo when I first got to Kansas City. And... I came, I went to Kansas City with an entourage, like my brother moved in with me, uh, had a couple of college teammates to come to Kansas City with me, kids from high school came. I'm a seventh round pick. I don't make that, that kind of money to be taking time to be, you know, those kind of people. So, lo and behold, you know, it's a month after the season. I'm dead ass broke. Yes. <laughs> It's safe to say, safe to say, you got better at balancing your checkbook later Listen, on in life. My guy got an immaculate place in Omaha condo. Yes, him and Ag Amon had one too. I went over there. Yeah, we hung was... out. E, how many things of tequila did you have waiting for me in the freezer? Oh man, that 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 little place there was something else. <laughs> Good gosh, Damon, why you bring that up? <laughs> <laughs> hey, I'll change gears then. Well, <laughs> I, just, I just think it's impressive because I watch you. You don't take yourself that seriously. You've never bragged about, I've done this and I've done that. Like, it's just your personality. You just, you're a giver by nature. You're just easy going. Yeah, that's me, man. I'm, I got that from my mom. You know, when I was in high school, she took in three other kids, um, same age as I was, and raised her own three kids along with these other three kids. And mm. I'm sitting there, um, you know, amazed at this single lady trying to raise her three and then three other adults uh, and to get them all to go to college. So she did an excellent job of doing that, preparing us. Um, and I think that that 
big heart can be taken advantage of at times. You know, you know, being in situations that I've got with the, the legal stuff and yeah, uh, I mean, the world knows that. So um, it's just I, I fell prey to certain things that I wish I hadn't. But I, I love the life that I've lived. I regret maybe one or two things. Other than that, man, I'm, I'm happy with where I'm at. We're all mama's boys. I think at the end of the day, all three of us. <laughs> all three of us are mama's boys. Um, <laughs> hey, Eric, uh, you know, you mentioned being a seventh-round pick for the Chiefs. Let's, let's talk about that um, in regards to just your love for that team, that organization. You know, uh, being, a, being a Chiefs guy through and through, and I know you ended your career with the Pats, but, um, you know, how, how cool is it? to root for this team and to watch them have the success that they are having nowadays? I love it. Um, you know, we waited a long time for this. Um, we've had some good teams in Kansas City. None have ever gotten as far as what Patrick Mahomes has taken us. So uh, I'm, I'm the number one fan. I, I, I love everything that Andy Reid's doing, Clark Hunt's doing. Uh, Patrick Mahomes and, you know, how he lives within the moment with the biggest spotlight on him. Um, it's just, you know, it, it's, it's good to be a Chiefs player. It's good to be a Chiefs fan. Hey, let me ask you something because I think something that's underappreciated is the front office, right, with, with Veach and, and Tim Terry and, and these guys massaging the, the cap and contracts They've drafted unbelievably well. Do you appreciate – you're around a lot of pros. You spent time as a pro. How much appreciation post-playing do you have for front office and management? Not an easy job. Man. Um, you know, being, you know, that we played in Nebraska and we've seen the, the revolving door of coaches come in, uh, you know – ADs come in and uh, not being able to bring in the the right crew to get you in that, you know, back where we used to be. You don't even have to be in, you know, the championship Huskers, but you just miss that longevity of front office, uh, personnel, coaches, and postseason play. And to see what the Chiefs have done – mainly by bringing in Andy Reid and, and, and Patrick Mahomes, it's just amazing. You know, then you can just go out and do what you can with the amount of money that you're, you're granted to put the pieces in that they need. You know, we thought that losing Tyreek Hill was going to be tragic for us, and all of a sudden Patrick has come out and put up excellent numbers, um, one of his better years, and without a really go-to receiver outside of Kelsey. Kelsey's a tight end, but he's out, he's out there putting up wide receiver numbers. Um, so, yeah, just to go and see the things that the Chiefs have continued to do goes to show uh, the detail that Clark Hunt has put into hiring the right personnel. Yeah, f- further expand on that point because we've had conversations with, you know, Chiefs insiders in the past about how this was supposed to be a so-called rebuilding season. Yeah, after next year was kind of Tyree what they were Kill. ramping yeah, up and now, the young secondary. And, and, you know, all of a sudden, you know, here they are back in the Super Bowl – who gets the most credit, do you think, for that? Is it Mahomes? Is it Andy Reid? Or is it somebody else? Okay, now, outside of all the great things that Andy Reid has done, 
Well, I think for me, I have to take my head off to Pat. You know, Pat is just phenomenal in the things that he that he does. And I made this reference years and years ago. He's kind of like the Steph Curry of the league. You know, when Steph Curry hit, nobody had ever seen playmaking like that, shooting like that. And all of a sudden, Pat comes out. He's he's got this phenomenal arm, but outside of the arm, you see the crazy backyard plays that he's doing behind the back, behind the neck. You know, he's out there looking like Magic Johnson uh, completing passes. So uh, it's very rare you get a player like that to come in and carry a franchise uh, for the amount of years that he's done and to be that successful. But, like I said, to lose a Tyreek Hill, and like you said, everybody thought it was going to be a rebuilding year. Man, it's like he didn't miss a step. I'm not complaining here, Eve. Because I'm I getting to talk to a former chief and a good buddy. But I got to ask you about the opponent, right? Is there some – yeah, right, Mr. Good-Natured. Is there some part of you that's like, hey, man, I appreciate, I can admire, I like what Jer- uh, Jalen Hurts is doing, just not at my chief's expense? <laughs> I love what, what Philly's doing. Mm-hmm. Philly's good. Philly's real good. And when I saw what they did to uh, – San Fran, I had to take my hat off and, and be a little concerned um, because they're an overall good team defensively and offensively. They have the pieces uh, to get it done. I, I just have that much more faith in my Chiefs. And, you know, if we got a healthy Patrick, um, you know, I, I think you know, we easily win this. But even with a unhealthy Pat, we saw what he did in the last week's game on one and a half legs. So, uh it's just fun to watch him play. But, yeah, the Eagles aren't anything to look at. Who's the young guy you like watching in that secondary? I like them all. You know, it's not like one one stands out um, because collectively they, they come together at, at the end of the season at the right time to, to make things work. Um, yeah, we thought losing Honey Badger was going to hurt us, and, and yet uh, – I mean, we don't get the amount of turnovers and playmaking ability that, that, that he brought, but we're looking just as good. So, yeah, just the overall unit of the secondary is good right now. Eric, how much do you buy into the Nick Sirianni so-called snub whenever Andy <laughs> Reid took over that job uh, back, when was it, like 2010 or something like that? I mean, he's just uh, – you still got to take your head off to Sirianni for what he's done. You know, everybody, nobody was thinking that Jalen Hurts would be in this situation. Not one single person. And he's got that team playing excellent football. So, um, you still, you got to give him credit for where he's at, what he's done. And, you know, he's made some snarty remarks throughout the season mm-hmm. uh, when they got rid of uh, Frank Reich out of Indy. And then he's had some other uh, moments where he, he speaks out. So for him to go out and be as, as vocal as he is, uh, animated as he is, you know, he has a team in the Super Bowl. So you got to respect what he's done. Eric, thanks so much for your time today. Hopefully we'll talk again soon. Sounds good, man. I appreciate the call. Hey, thank you. And uh, thank you to another one of our sponsors, Zipline. Before we let you go, their Copper Alt is a new fan fave. It's malty, it's balanced, it's classic. It's that hybrid style between ale and lager. Go check it out. Zipline Brewing, they'll hook you up there. We'll see you tomorrow on Coffee and Cream.